Signs of the Southland. Mr. Grant, you've you've informed us that it's the what was it, the fifteenth anniversary of your first Georgia Tech sporting event ever? Yes, that it is. Uh, I watched a Georgia Tech versus Clemson home basketball game, having no connection to the Institute, but just because it was on television in the Elephant and Castle pub uh, in Chicago uh, for some reason, uh, because I was not allowed to visit my cousin uh, who had just been born. So it was me and my mom and my two siblings hiding out in a pub on a gross night in downtown Chicago. And the only reason I remember it is because uh, Buzz was most of the court logo at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's weird. That's different. Uh, I don't know this this yellow and black team. Uh, and and yeah, now 15 years later, I have a podcast about them. So that's very fun. So it's your cousin's fault that you're here today. Uh, I credit the miracle on Techwood because I would not have remembered this uh, okay. if I had not applied after that. But uh, yeah, we can blame him. Uh, that that works too. I, that that's a good good old fashioned grand family tradition. Is yeah, there you is go. Blaming Jack. So but, wait, what? Uh, Speaking of Jack, <laughs> Jack, your first tech sporting event. Very quickly. Yeah, uh, I remember watching the football ACC championship against Wake Forest. I, I only remember it because it was very rainy that day. or it, like I think it was rainy all over the southeast that day. So I was like, oh, that's weird that's the same way in Charlotte. I'll actually be in that stadium this weekend for the Atlanta United. Jacksonville. Bench, so. Jacksonville. Yeah, it was, it was Jacksonville? Jacksonville that year. That one was they did Jacksonville. Born, uh, Charlotte. They oh, alternated man. Jacksonville and Charlotte, and then Charlotte and got Tampa. the permanent deal. Oh, and oh, Tampa. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Noted uh, uh, noted ACC cities, Tampa no, and Jacksonville. But also, like, there's it, it was it was rainy. Uh, it, who cares? Anyways, I'm going to Charlotte this weekend. Come find me at the Atlanta United game. Uh, we also have Asa Waters with us, our basketball expert extraordinaire. Asa, your first Georgia Tech sporting event, please. I I could not remember off the top of my head, but I do have a very clear childhood memory of watching Amon Shumpert miss two free throws at the end of some game oh, and my dad being like, wow, they always miss free throws. And I'm like, yeah, so true. Still man. to this, this day. To this watched. day. Yeah, still very true. It's a, I don't know if I told you this, but he and I went to the same high school. So I grew up watching him miss free throws oh, even before wow. he went my to Georgia goodness. Tech. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, stuff. it's a time-honored tradition. It's an tradition Oak Park, for... River Forest, and Tech tradition. Truly honored. Uh, for me, it was uh, the 2014 Duke game, which for a long time was the last time it had ever rained for a Georgia Tech game for like six or seven years running. Mm-hmm. And then I think in 2020, everything was cursed. And so it uh, just started to pour. It was, you know, it was one of those things where it just started raining at halftime. It was like looked fine uh, for most of the day. And then at halftime, all the rain clouds rolled in and then a massive tornado warning. It was great. Super fun. Um, other news items for the week, Mr. Purdy. Two player, two either conference or national players of the week. We're on a string of these since like Tony Morgan got, she had a string of freshman ACC players of the weeks, and they just kind of kept rolling, especially once baseball started. Uh, as part of the basketball part, which we'll get to, Miles Kelly was the ACC player of the week and remarkably well-deserved for the fact that anything outside of the basket, he wouldn't hit. He only hit the basket. Uh, and then Jackson Finley was the one of the national players of the week in baseball this this week for doing a Shohei Otani esque weekend of getting hits and striking out people on both ends. So, which I feel like, not to go on the tangent, it's just a cheat code for baseball. If you once you can do both sides, it's just like, well, if someone does really good on one side, did they do the other one? No. So, 
We just I, don't I, see dual like dual ability athletes in baseball. No, we anymore. don't. So it's a I shame. Hope, I don't think I don't think that writers will shoehorn Jackson Finley into this spot frequently unless it's outwardly deserved, like this weekend it was. But just in general, it's cool to see our guys just showing out uh, and you know being their best selves, especially in critical games. These were these were critical game weekends for both teams. Mr. Purdy, some other notes from around the institute. Yeah, so from the admissions office, uh, they, there's been some various scholarship programs and whatnot for students coming from Georgia that are applying to Tech who may not be in as, as fortunate a financial situation to come to Tech. And so between me, the Hope Scholarship has been a big thing. I wrote that my whole way going through Tech um, and Zell Miller, which is the other version of that. Um, and there's, there's pathways, all sorts of different things, but one of the new ones is the Tech Promise Scholarship, which already existed, But the, and the idea of that one is if you come away from a Georgia family with low income you can and you graduate from Tech, you do so debt-free. Uh, and the, finance, the, the, the ceiling of your in- family income now to qualify for that is $55,500 a year. Uh, so this expands the pool of potential uh, Georgia students that who very much deserve to come to Tech will be able to and not have to worry about the financial part of it and that burden. Um, so potentially dumb question here as an yeah. out-of-stater. You guys will hope Zell types. Does that yeah. not already cover? And I thought it was anyone who goes to an in-state university yeah. um, gets I, I still paid have for already. That's so. just tuition. That's just tuition. Mm, I still okay. have, depending on how this whole debt cancellation works once that gets through the Supreme Court, I'll have a varying numbers of thousands of dollars in debt from other ah. non-tuition fees. Okay, so this is basically the, the everything to translate else. it to athletics, it's the full cost of attendance yes, rather yes. than just the tuition. Okay, cool. Yes. Thanks. Ace, were you in yeah. state or are you out of state? Um, I did not go to tech. Uh, but oh, there. I forgot, I went, I forgot you said I this last time. time. Yeah. I was in state for the college that I did go to. Nice. Just dox uh, him harder, Jack. Dox yes. him harder. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I'm getting your address. I, uh, I do want to add that there was a movement when Jake and I were in school. There was a change uh, in policy to allow auto admission for any Atlanta public schools, valedictorians and salutatorians, which I thought was an interesting move, uh, a very good move. Um, and this is sort of an expansion Um of programs like that, right? You were mentioning a bunch yeah. of different pathways to get into tech. Um, it's it's along the the same lines, right? Making sure that people um, people that come from underserved backgrounds or underserved communities can continue getting into Georgia Tech and and do so at at minimal cost and minimal burden. So I'm I'm always for that, and I think it, it's both like a social good and also like it's good for the brand and and good for you know, the progress and service motto that Georgia Tech tries to uh, embody. They've done a great job trying to find as many ways to get the quality of students that should be coming to Tech that deserve to be at Tech versus just who can, who who make it, versus just like who can afford it. Like they're trying to, as much as they can, make that not a question that needs to be answered if they can do, if they can manage. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other good programs, men's basketball over the past did you just put those two weeks. ideas together that's, as a men's basketball team? That's the team first time Canada. I've heard Akshay compliment men's oh basketball God. since the ACC title. <laughs> first one. Look, they, Fanatic still hasn't sent me my shirt for the ACC title, by the way, and it's going on almost two and a half years, or two years exactly. Uh, we have Asa here with us. It? 
uh, I don't, they sent me an email saying they weren't going to send it to me. It was dumb. Uh, we have Asa here with us. Asa, you wrote a really awesome piece this past week uh, using some advanced stats, which you know I always appreciate, to describe the latter stages of uh, of Tech's season, especially its transformation over the last month. Uh, tell us a little, little bit about that first uh, and some of the stuff that you found. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's baffling. I mean. Last time I was on here to talk about basketball was at the lowest of the low after getting beat by 43 points by Duke. And I think we all kind of just figured that was going to be how the rest of the year went. Um, and then pretty was much before the well, Louisville loss too, right? Yeah, okay, maybe that wasn't the lowest. So we, had, we, we, we went further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we dug an even down. deeper hole. Yeah, um, but after that, they've been going crazy. Um, I talked about it on the article, but essentially – three-point shooting has been like the key and that's come from uh, a number of lineup changes but most notably uh, Javon Franklin just being the only big man ever to touch the court Um, which is great because for that Princeton to work and for that four out one in system to work like the center has to be a threat and Rodney Howard is fine like he's not a terrible player but he isn't a threat to score the basketball so having a guy that can handle the ball, score inside, pass, freeze up everything else, and then the other major change is Kyle Sturdivant stepping in for Davon Smith after uh, his injury and just shooting the lights out, like um, making up for the fact that he was pretty terrible to start the year. Um, so, yeah, now you've got four guys that can shoot the ball around, like this do-it-all unicorn in the in the middle, and they're looking really good, like, legitimately one of the better teams in the ACC. And it's and these performances, like you said, have been really good. They beat Syracuse by 20 at Syracuse in that stupid football stadium. Uh, and they went to Conte Forum to end the year uh, winning, by, uh, winning by eight. So let's talk a little bit about that Syracuse game. Um, let's go over to you, uh, Mr. Grant. What were your takeaways? Oh, I mean – they played about as about as well as you can ask. I mean, the the twenty point margin is one thing, but twenty point margin on the road at Syracuse, you may deride it as a football stadium, but and granted, the the, the attendance is not quite what it was in its in its heyday, or maybe against a, a rival, if you will. But it, it's still a pretty intimidating place uh, by reputation to play a basketball game, and they went in and they had their best offensive showing. I mean. You really, you really can't ask for much for much better than that, and and that was, I don't know, it's fun, it's different. I know that's not super analytical, but I, I just have a at least in my head a pretty big mental roadblock when I think Syracuse and road basketball. Even if uh, maybe that game is the one that uh, causes Jim Beheim's career to come to an illustrious end, uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Illustrious is definitely a word that I could use to describe Jim Bayham's career. It's definitely a word that I could use. Would I choose to use it? Probably not. Uh, Mr. Purdy, uh, tell me about the Boston College game. Uh, I mean, I caught more of the Syracuse game than the Boston College. I was at Georgia, the uh, Georgia Georgia Tech game, baseball during the Boston College. But I was tracking it just to be like, okay, did they at least, I think the primary focus there was, can you back up a massive win like that? And they did. That's the big. That's the big thing I pull out of that. Because at that point, we couldn't really do much in terms of seating. That was kind of out of our hands. Winning was going to help, but it's like we weren't probably we were low chance of vaulting into the second day of the tournament to start from going back 
than getting out of the first. Um, so that was the big thing. We knew Boston College wasn't an elite team. So it's just like, if we're going to play like we did against Syracuse, then you've got to beat teams like Boston College. And we did. Um, yeah. I'll, I will add Boston College, along with Tech, one of the biggest risers in the past month. Mm. Like they were yep. not the same team that the record would indicate. So that's a much better win than, than the Syracuse win, honestly. Syracuse was tanking yeah. real bad at the time we played they them. did not look like they cared about that game in the last month. like oh. i kind of stopped i mean i had stopped just watching this team in general and then i saw what was going on there i'm like oh hold on and so i caught that second half and which i could not believe how i mean syracuse in a lot of ways looked like how we did in some games earlier this year where it was just like uh, what's going on here and like okay this is clearly just a bad day that's just only going the other the wrong direction I'm going to add a little bit of color to the Boston College thing, too, because Boston College did pick up a run, kind of like we saw at the beginning of the That's year. That's right. There, there was a few runs Virginia, in that game. I Iowa. Uh, and Tech was down, I think it was 11, relatively late in the game. And I went from being in a place from where I could follow along to a stationary screen to gap to being in my car and listening on the radio. And I chose that as a safe time because I'm like, eh, you know, it's 11. I got to make a pivot. And then I get in the car and they're winning. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck? And it's because they decided, maybe not decided, but it, it, it's a team that has always had the potential to do that. Stop a run, come back from being in a hole when the shooting clicks. And that's not something that we saw last year. And it's a trope we talked about last year. You know, oh man, it looks like Miles is just a hair off. Oh, it looks like Debo's just a hair off. And it's finally all coming together. And Pastor says this a lot in his press conferences. Oh, it's a month later than it's been in the past. And I think he's right. Because inherently, I don't think this team, once he kind of figured out the lineup, if you will, and the piece earlier in the week was a great illustration with like actual numbers rather than hashtag vibes as to why that's the case. But, you know, it, it's it's clear. Not, I'm not going to, you know, disparage the 21 team. But it really feels like a very similar jump to them playing for not that great earlier in the year. And then for that team, it clicked in January, right? And that gives you the time to build the resume. Beat a you know, pretty good Clemson team, you know, beat Duke, uh, even though that was a down year for Duke. It's it's still winning that game, right? And and yeah. being really solid down the stretch. But it, not to toot my own horn, if we turn this clock back about four weeks, I think we kind of just pulled off exactly what this podcast said and us me if you will uh said would be the best case scenario right it's them figuring out and playing well down the stretch is that something that's going to get them into the tournament no is it ultimately kind of a disappointing year i'd argue yes but not to just talk for three straight minutes but i, I think they're playing right now at this moment in time as the team we saw they could get to at the beginning of the year is that a fair take yes absolutely uh, Mr. Yeah, Waters, no. you watch both the oh, – well, you're getting right ahead of me. I was going to say, you watch both of these games, uh, and you wrote the article, so I'm sure you have uh, – you want to make uh, people that read the article and then disagreed with your conclusions that they are, you know, hot and getting better, uh, eat some crow here. Yeah. Yeah, I remember probably like two weeks ago, I wrote one about like that's, this is right after we maybe won like two games. We were like two and three, but – clearly this was like a different team. And I wrote an article saying like, this team's playing so much better. And it was kind of nervous because I kind of was afraid of the decline. And this was just like a little blip. Um, and yeah, people were lighting me up in the comments section talking about uh, how bad the team is. Uh, and then, yeah, I was, was validated. They're, they actually are so much better. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think, like you said, this is, we all kind of, at least, I don't know, I thought that this team had the potential to do this. There are like clear, really good shooters on this team. And um, I, I will be the first to say, I didn't think Javon Franklin would be this good. Um, I guess the guy was recruited by Auburn, so he's not like, you know, a slouch. He's but not um, bad. Yeah. Yeah, not bad at all. This uh, world knows what he wants. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna the leave that there. There. <laughs> I'm not getting, we're not getting the FCC involved in this recording. Not this time. Please continue. Not this time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the potential was there. It was just a matter of whether or not they could make it work. And, who knows why Rodney Howard was was the guy for so long, um, way too long. I don't know. I, I think it's a matter of, of it's like traditional basketball thought. Like you've got to have a guy that's over six foot six on the court or else you're going to get killed. Um, but when that guy that's over six foot six doesn't offer you much outside of being that tall, you're not really helping yourself. So I feel like it's just like the right move to accept that if you play a team that has really talented big men, you're going to get scored on in the post, but at least be doing something to make up for it. And like Javon Franklin does about a hundred somethings to make up for it. So, yeah. Yeah. And one of those, he gets a triple double first, first one in eight. I think this, the Iman Shepard one was the last one in 2011. I want to say was the year. Um, it's only the I fifth one in school history. He did a 14, 15, and 10. I'll say that last assist was kind of forced. Like, they were looking for it, which, oh, I mean, they, they definitely could because Syracuse wasn't stopping us because they just kind of stopped trying the last four minutes of that game. So, like, it was very doable um, and found Miles on a corner three. Um, we had the school record for threes and assists in a single game at 18 threes and 27 assists, and Terry scored 24. What, what, one question on this. Would you say... Uh, when Terry was out, that was there was definitely like a clear like okay, this team is just not what it can be without him on the court. And we, I, one of us mentioned it at some point. It's like okay, he's back. The performances is just we're far more well rounded. So I mean, I think at this point, if we're not going to play Howard, that, that makes Franklin probably the most important guy on the court. But in terms of that next guy, it's like okay, if you're without both of these guys, in terms of uh, Franklin and Terry, we're basically would you say we're screwed? I, I mean, to put it bluntly, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, I responded to a comment, but I, I didn't get a chance to actually put it in the article, but it was one thing I wanted to talk about was Lance Terry. Like he's clearly the best defender on this team by a mile. And it, it's not flashy. Like Jose, he's not getting like five steals, right, but yeah. he just completely shuts down. If, if it's in zone defense, he shuts down that entire side of the court. If it's man to man, he shuts down his guy. A big reason we destroyed Syracuse was him just bodying Joe Girard the entire time to the point where Gerard looked like he didn't even want to be there. Um, so yeah, Harry on defense is like a must have because we don't have that guy outside of him. Um, but also on offense, like he, if he's open for three, he's knocking it down and he is like lightning quick. He's not really a great ball handler, but he's going to try to like dunk on somebody, mm -hmm. um, which is nice to see at the guard position. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say, I think it, it kind of extenuate or accentuates his importance with Davon's continued absence as well. But yeah, I, otherwise I completely agree. Yeah. And I, I got one. I seriously oh. doubt we'll see Davon, but I, I would be interested to see how he fits. I don't know if he does fit into this lineup. He, yeah. The big issue is he, he can't shoot. So you lose that dynamic of having right. four guys that can yep. shoot plus kind of this gravitational pool at center. 
Because if they can sag off Davon, yeah. path to victory, we, we we have to win five days in a row. It's just like you're just we're just gonna have to do this one thing, shooting, so freaking well that it doesn't matter how well you defend us, and we'll allow basically do a Dallas Mavericks. Like we're gonna allow 120 points a game, but we've got Luca and Kyrie Irving, so we're gonna score 160 on you if you aren't careful. Um, yeah, the thing is though, the defense hasn't dropped off, but we're playing roughly the same level on defense, um, and we're doing that through like actually generating some, I guess to use a football word, like some havoc plays, like yeah, blocking yeah. shots, getting steals. Um, and that's another part of the value that uh, Javon Franklin adds in. Um, so, yeah, it'll we're be interesting. To... If we win this first game, it'll be interesting to see how well, how well that stacks up because we that pit game was recently enough that there's been recently enough and far enough back that there's been some, that there's there's been a growth period there. So I'd be very curious if we can pull it out and see what happens. Akshay, yeah, if I... you put another Jeff Collinsism in our <laughs> chat, I'm going to kick you off the podcast. Uh, I'll give you $23 million dollars to go away right oh now. Oh my god, that's there's only 10 11. million more than Jeff got. There's only 11. There's only 11. Uh, let's talk about that ACC tournament matchup. They, uh, Georgia Tech is the 12 seed. They will face off against Florida State. That is a 2 p.m. tip. Uh, on Tuesday, that'll be today when you're listening to this in Greensboro, Jim Beheim's favorite ACC tournament location. A win will put them against what I call the most scathing indictment you can make about the current state of ACC men's basketball, five seed Pittsburgh. So, no, 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 no. You need to learn something right now, Akshay. Before Pittsburgh joined the ACC, I want you to guess how many years in a row. They had made the tournament. Probably a lot, but that's not going to stop me from hating. Ten, ten straight tournaments. Uh, oh, wow. From 20, 2002 to 2011. Yes, they did not make it in, in 2012. I want you to tell me then, what was their seed in 2011? Seed in 2011? Their, their last, their last uh, a, a tournament appearance before they, uh, before they Three. joined the ACC. Three. They were not a one that year. There's no way. A 16 seed in the first round, homie. You're kidding me. Anyway, I'm standing by my I'm statement. Just, I'm you just going to let me. you sit with that with that horrible take for one more second. While it's I been... shout out Braden Daniels for getting in the Syracuse game, because I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've seen his name on a box score. So, um, And while you think about what you've said and done, uh, Pittsburgh – a historically notable basketball school is a five seed, uh, but I don't think that it is a scathing indictment on the state of ACC men's basketball. And I think if we see 10 Big Ten teams make the tournament from their very mo- mediocre conference as well, it'd be about the same as inviting 10 of this year's ACC teams in. Boom. All right, I've got my point in. You guys can continue with the podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. There's a fair amount of Big Ten teams that are going to be in there too. Like it's, it's, Just it's... invite the whole Big 12. Big 12, you don't need yeah. to bother with the ACC. So many. You don't need to bother with the Big Ten. They're all mediocre. Just invite the whole Big Twelve and see what happens. That's it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful when North Carolina wins the ACC tournament and undeservedly is in the sixty-four again and preserves their endless streak of being at March Madness. <sighs> I have we a headache. We all know that's happening. We all know that's happening. I have a headache thinking about this, uh, Mr. Waters. Walk me through what this matchup looks like versus Florida State. Uh. It looks like the perfect matchup. I mean, I know we lost them early in the season, so that that maybe I'll be eating those words. But um, 
just on paper over the last month, this is this Florida State team is statistically like the worst perimeter defense in the nation. Um, teams are shooting forty two percent from three against them. Well, that's the past month. Uh, so yeah, considering that's what we want to do at a really high level, sets up pretty well. Um, yeah, they've returned to form from the beginning of the season. They had a little run there in the middle, but they're looking honestly terrible. And then, obviously, who knows? We, we don't usually play well in the ACC tournament outside of that one year that we won it. Um, but uh, I, I just remember looking at what our potential matchups could be and thinking Florida State, Pittsburgh would be like the ideal scenario, and we've got it. We have to play Duke if we win both of those. I don't think we win that game. I don't think no. any chance. But um, so yeah, it, it sets up good for two wins, uh, and then who knows? Maybe the confidence is there, and and a miraculous three more wins just come out of nowhere. If only. Hey, we'll see. I, well, I'll be traveling again. I think it's uh, possible, but is it probable? You guys can decide on that. <laughs> I'm not booking any flights to Greensboro right now. I'll put it that way. Good call. Just to just to round out the conversation on Georgia Tech men's basketball, Mr. Grant, does this stretch, and let's say they get one win and look good versus Pitt in the ACC tournament, does that change? Does that make you go warmer? Like it's a warmer seat, a colder seat, or same same temperature seat for Josh Pastner? I think that Passner has shown that he can provide J-Pat and the athletic department the same value that Brent Key gives being on a relatively favorable deal. He's fine. Like the, the floor, the floor is the floor and we've seen the floor with Passner and he's got the benefit of returning some talent for next year with the additional benefit of not requiring a buyout to get to this interim state. I think with Bat being new, needing to get the NIL house in line, needing to get finances in line, it's not necessarily a Passner saved his job or a we can't afford to fire him. It's a we need a year type situation. I don't think it – I think more than like is he on the hot seat or not, it's a does it make sense. And right now I it just doesn't – there's not an obvious candidate in waiting. There hasn't been – at least to me, a whole a whole ton of smoke. He's this is the first year that all of the brouhaha around him has finally and truly been laid to rest. Um, with you know all, all that kind of and people forget that nuked like two three years of his tenure. Uh, the the Ron Bell saga and the uncertainty around that and you know all that horrible nonsense. Um, I don't know. It, it, it we're in a place where he's a known entity. And he's returning a lot of talent and it's not like we're dripping in cash. So I, I just think more than anything, it doesn't make sense to fire him. If there's a guy who was like, oh man, like this, this Georgia tech, Mark price, you know, he's tearing it up at wherever. I hear, I, I hear like, Jim. Does Mark Deshera, did Mark Deshera have another roommate? <laughs> you know, Iman <laughs> Shumper, Mark price. What's he up to? You know, um, I think that's like one of the more holistic takes I've heard. Like, I think we we all do bits and pieces of like Ken and everyone has reported like the buyouts around two and a half. Like, we know it's if we if it happened, it's around there. But it's like okay, if you read between the lines, it's like well, they just did the Collins thing, and that was a whole that was a whole nightmare. And Bats here is like, do you really want to get here day one? 
do that whole saga for a month and then do it all over again and not help get the whole of the athletic department moving forward. Like, that just feels like a backwards transaction to try to deal with Pastner in that way. And without a clear way forward, too. It's just like, we'd just be chopping off a branch and be like, all right, what now? There's, there wasn't clear answers there. And just the, the, the general idea of, like, there's a lot of other stuff to take care of that will make the whole of tech sports way better off. And we know Pastor loves this place anyways, and he will do his darndest to help bat in that department as well. Like, that's all. I, I think that that adds up enough to where, and I mean, thankfully we're winning, too, and winning good games and at a game like the Syracuse games, be like, okay, no, everything we want to be possible is still possible in some form or fashion. Um, but there's a lot of non-basketball reasons that don't that matter in the grand scheme of things here. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. No, I, yeah, to chime in. Um, I Disclaimer, it's probably known. I'm, I'm a known Josh Fassner supporter. I think he's a actually like a really good coach. Um, I, what too. he does on Me defense too. makes... <laughs> Other coaches look lazy, honestly, like switching it yeah. up constantly. Like it, it completely makes up for um, not a lack of talent, but kind of a lack of talent uh, to where you can keep the offense, you know, just out of rhythm. Uh, but I'm, I'm not here to talk about his coaching style. Uh, I don't know. I, I agree with you guys. It, it doesn't make sense to get rid of them. I know people are upset about mediocrity and, and kind of being bad, but the guy clearly loves this program is genuinely a good person. Um, loves the guys on the team and is like not a bad coach. The recruiting issues have only been an issue here at Georgia tech prior to that. He's been known as like a, an incredible recruiter. So I'd like, I don't know, like saying he's failed as a recruiter, probably more of an indictment on Georgia tech as a brand um, and the basketball program in general than it is on him. Uh, and probably needs more funding. I think that's the thing. If you're going to waste, not waste money, if you're just going to dump money on something, don't dump it on a buyout contract. Dump it on like investing into the program and thinking, yeah. hey, maybe yeah. if we gave this guy some funds, he could be better as opposed to just getting rid of him, hiring some other guy so that fans come to the games for like one year and then they realize, oh, this program's still not that great. I'm going to stop going to games again. Yeah, though I really hope in like four or five years we'll be like, okay, we've done 10 years of Josh, whenever he gets to 10 years, we look back on this particular moment, it's like, okay, I'm glad we just buried, we just, we just kept going, we just kept going here, and we didn't we didn't overreact. Collins was an underreaction for too long, that turned into just yeah. a crazy reaction, and we, we level heads prevailed here, which I, I think will be the case, being patient. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's flip over to the other side of Zelnak basketball facility. Uh, the women's basketball season is over, Mr. Purdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, any notes on how that ended for them? Yeah, they uh, – oh, shoot. I already forgot who they played in the first round. That, that game was so long ago. Well, they lost in the first round of the ACC tournament. Uh, uh, there's not really much to report there. Uh, was it Boston College? Oh, it was, right, because it was Cam Sports. It was, it was the Cam Sports Bowl again. Moat. Yeah, they did. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I'm not final terribly margin. surprised – Final they came back. They, they 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 clawed back in at the end, but it was just it was too little, too late by that point. Um, so ultimately, I, I'm not terribly surprised that that's what happened. Um, if they kept going on, there would have been a massive shocker. And the ACC is just in a remarkably healthy point in terms of women's basketball right now. Uh, and so us being the this is the lowest we were a 13 seed, the lowest in program history. 
um, at least in the fifteen seat, fifteen team version of this. Um, so I mean, we all knew it was a freshman. It was a freshman core. Um, just a lot of volatility with the super seniors, which I guess we were uh, us three. I don't think we we're fully aware that it was going to be that super volatile, and then it just was. And but they 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 similarly the Josh uh, Nell just kept going. She knew what she had. She righted the ship, made them better as the year went along. We uh, Kara Dunn didn't play in this last game. But that's a big key. I think she's. I think she was hurt or something. So, but uh, next year we'll have uh, Deja Thomas, two-time Texas State champ. Tony Morgan, year two. Kara Dunn, year two. Inez Noguero, year two. Uh, it, it, uh, maybe Kayla Blackshear again if she wants to stick around. So, uh, oh yeah, she will. She's only a sophomore. Yeah, she'll still be here. So we'll have we'll have rebounding. We'll have shooting. We'll have driving to the bat. We'll have a lot of stuff going on. So I am not a. I am. I am hopeful. Looking forward, but for now, uh, we'll let the season rest. I. Uh... I, I'm not letting them get away with, without saying that I was disappointed on how this year went, at least a little bit. Oh no, I th- yeah, yeah, I think no, I, that's, I, that's valid. That's valid. Oh, I'm extremely disappointed, but it is what it is at a certain level. Like they, like like Jackie said, they got uh, unlucky with some volatility uh, in the transfers they brought in, and uh, like they they lost a couple close games here and there. So they did, yeah. Um, so. That's just kind of how the cookie crumble this year, and they'll bake another set of cookies next year. We'll figure that out at that point. Uh, Mr. Grant, men's tennis. Actually, Mr. Purdy, you were at one of these. Yeah, I went to the Wake Forest one. one. Yeah, I went to Wake. Um, You get better about planning who does these segments. (laughs) Number 25, Wake Forest, uh, visited Ken Byers Tennis Facility uh, on, what was this, on Saturday. Friday. Um, on Friday, yeah. uh, during a very stormy afternoon at, yes. uh, in Midtown Atlanta, uh, men's tennis at Georgia Tech lost a six-one to Wake Forest. Mister Purdy, walk us through the ambiance. Yeah, so they played indoors because they knew the storm was coming. Um, I walked over there. I, I could tell when the like I was like tracking the map and everything. And if you saw the radar that day, the storm was a very thin, a very thin one. But it, like it was, and it was quick moving. And so I get there, match starts, and it starts pouring. We lose the doubles, sadly, um, and then by the time uh, we boot, by the time like halfway through the singles was started, like halfway through the first sets across the board, um, it was after like the big part of the storm was gone. Like it was quiet outside, and then all the lights just shut off inside the tennis center. Just like er- like some of the emer- like some emergency lights are still on, but like the main lights on the courts just off completely. Uh, which, in hindsight, like it was in it. it it, I was hoping it was going to turn into like a Super Bowl forty six seven, whichever one was the Ravens Niners, when the lights went off at in the Superdome. The Superdome. Yeah, uh, I was hoping it was going to be something like that, where it's like, all right, we're all, every match is losing, we've got a forced reset, let's go, and th- nothing really changed at all. Uh, Martin just did not have a good day. He was visibly upset. I was ma- mainly watching his court. Once they did get the lights back on after about twenty minutes or so, um, they have the lights in there that like take a while to like warm up not your modern LEDs and stuff like that. Which uh, is hilarious considering how old that building is. I, I know. <laughs> it's yeah. not particularly old. No, it's not. Uh so yeah, it was it, it was not a best our best day. Granted Wake Forest was the tw- is there are they are the twenty fifth ranked team in the country. Uh they had two top hundred players uh playing uh in uh well, okay I, I do not know how to say these names. Kar- Karamov and oh Estafaku. Okay, cool. Because uh, that is the last name of one of Atlanta United's executives. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. I don't know if they're related. I yeah, just know that uh, an Atlanta United executive has the same last uh, name. Just a quickly scoreboard read. Uh, 
our second line doubles won 6-1 in their match, Chopra Sachdev, and then Martin McDaniel lost 6-3, and McHenry and Shokri, uh they lost 6-3. It came down to the Martin McDaniel match the first, at line one, and they had a point at 5-3. They had a couple points at 5-3 to break and get to f- and, and and possibly get back on serve and then just lost a couple of critical points and that was the end of the doubles. Uh so they were it was it's a 6-3 that was spiritually closer. Uh and then in singles the only uh Chopra was the only one guy who won uh and that was through a retirement. So we did not actually win any match legitimately <laughs> in terms of winning a match point. Mom, mom. Uh just to go through the NC State result that was versus number 39 NC State. Uh that was a 4-2 loss. Um, ooh, that was a loud noise. Uh, Martin McDaniel uh, went unfinished 5-2 in doubles. Uh, Chopra Sashev lost 6-1. Uh, and McKinney Chakri lost 6-2. And then in singles to go down, Martin won, McDaniel won. Uh, Chopra Sashev. Uh, so Chopra Sashev and Bauer lost, but uh, Chakri uh, picked up and, well, he was tied and unfinished. Uh, so bit of a bit of a rough day, uh, bit of a rough weekend, really, on the courts for the men. Let's flip over to the women's side. The women faced number four, NC State, and number 29, Wake Forest. Mr. Grant, you have the con for the NC State match. Yeah, um, for a long time, I've I was on the uh, Georgia Tech just clobbers NC State at random sports vibe, which was really only just me paying attention to tennis uh, because I believe we had defeated them 26 times in a row. I'm not uh, to that sport yet in my digitizing every Georgia Tech sports result that's ever happened um, crusade. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, NC State has got, gotten good and stayed good in the last three years. NC State, uh, number four, was a close loss, 4-3 um, uh, if you are uh, – paying attention but um i know sometimes when they play these all the way out you can pick up some points after it's decided i will note that it was decided at four uh two that was with wins in do 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 in not doubles what what did we no we lost a doubles point and then we won on court one that was carol lee six one six three uh and then um an upset by bilchev on court two was another win. That was the point that came after the end. And then I think our other win, yeah, was Mahakshane uh, defeating Sophie Abrams, uh, 6-3, 6-4. That Mahakshane uh, win actually put Tech up 2-1, to one, which is what I was looking for in my thought process earlier when I mentioned court two. Um, so, yeah, Tech was fighting. Uh, they can play with the best. It's just, you know, it's one of those matches, right? The, the, there's a reason they're number four NC State. And uh, when you're playing uh, against, I would argue, kind of an interesting lineup from them. Uh, they had their number 52 player on court one, while their highest ranked player, number uh, number 15 in the country, Alana Smith, was on court two uh, and number 17 on court three. That's NC State playing not to lose. Uh, that's pretty uh pretty notable at least. And the fact that tech walked away with uh, wins on four and two that were both upset wins, I guess, speaks to their ability to play up to the level of competition, uh, kind of rounding all this out on those top five singles courts from NC state. Uh, all of those players from them are in the top 60. So um, yeah, they're, they're in it with a chance to win, but 
it, it's tough when you're playing talent that well. And Tech, I, I would argue, and and don't really see how you could argue against this, that they got some points that they shouldn't have won in the first place, right? So um, just uh, them playing about as well as they could and, and coming up a little bit short. Another interesting thing in that match as well, Tech split its top line doubles pairing of Ali and Sharbura uh, yep. across courts. Let's see, cross court two and three. Instead of putting them in the one slot, they put Bilchev and Cruz in the one slot. Then it was Sharbura and Dijaj, um in the two, and then Lee and Garcia Gross in the three. Compare that to what they rolled out versus Wake Forest in the next match where they went Lee Sharbura at the one, Bilchev, Cruz at the two, and then the judge and Marsh at the three. So lineup mechanics definitely being, you know, there's some gamesmanship there when you're playing a top team like that, um, that we didn't necessarily see uh, against maybe a more evenly matched team uh, in Wake Forest, wouldn't you say? Um, Wake Forest is definitely in a more evenly matched team. And I think the, the ratings speak that out. I didn't honestly pay uh, as much mind to this one as I did the other one. So I don't have a, a ton more to add uh, there. It's just, you know, t- tennis is a game of, of points and sports. Jack, you look like you have a skeptical take on what I was saying. Oh, no, I, sorry. I, I was, I was just, I was just squinting my eyes to read the chat sheet. Oh, <laughs> I was like, man, he's really confused with <laughs> no, my, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch as much. I, I did. I did not catch any of these matches at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the Sunday early match. So I kind of struggle to see those sometimes, but um yeah, I, I don't think you can chalk too much up against either match this week, and they're both on the road really, too. I mean, really it's a, good teams. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you? I mean, it's if you if, if anyone here would have been like, oh boy, okay. At least I mean, I'm I love that these these were close as well. Like props to them for being like they gave themselves a real fighting chance. So. It's it's the same way you have to talk about the men's wake and, and NC State matches too, right? Those are are. I mean, the Wake Forest one was a little bit tough because they didn't get killed. But, yeah, you know, yeah. like, they're they're good teams. Like, not that you take scheduled losses, but – and the women are, are arguably probably could have gotten a win against uh, Wake. But they, it's quality competition in the ACC. The, the rest of the spring is going to be like this for both teams. Yeah. Just to go through the scores, that was a 4-2 loss to number 29, Wake Forest. Uh, Tech did not pick up a doubles point but picked up the top two courts in singles and then court number four, uh, but drop the other three. So uh, rough, rough ending there as well. Uh, we'll talk about softball, swim and dive and a bunch of other stuff right after this short break. Yes. Yeah, so as always, this podcast is brought to you by section 103.com section 103 is the very best place to find Georgia tech related apparel uh, i know that we've talked in recent weeks about baseball uh, and the script jackets uh, items that they've gotten going on there we've also talked about the seal and the new north avenue trade school merch but i'm going to take this opportunity to plug one last time the welcome to the thriller dome shirt for this year hey you know if they win five straight i'll talk about it next week too but um in case you really 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 need basketball apparel um hopefully for a hopeful wednesday game uh go ahead and order that i have that in my closet that was the very first thing that i got from section 103 can't speak highly enough for their goods as always you can find them at section 103.com and at section 103 on twitter welcome back to scions of the southland for march 6th 
Let's talk about softball real quick. We're going to skip past the midweek versus a community college uh, and talk about the I-75 tournament hosted at Georgia Tech. Uh, one of the games versus first opponent, Northern Iowa, got rained out, but Tech took the other one 12-2 in five innings. Then they picked up a 1-0 win over Southern Miss and then a 6-0 win over Brown. Uh, that was much closer than that 6-0 scoreline yeah, seems was. to indicate. Uh, Mr. Purdy, you spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, over at Shirley Meaborn Clements Field this weekend. Did. What did you see? I saw that whole uh, Athens Community College clobbering, which that that was sad, but that team was good too. So, I mean, I'll note the crowd was uh, like 80% tech, just in terms of the measurement of like, what what do those crowds look like? That was a heavily pro tech crowd, so that was fun to see. Uh, I was at the Brown game on Sunday. It was a lovely, lovely little noon thirty game, uh, and yeah, that was a one zero game for a while uh, until the until the sixth until the bottom of the sixth. We finally got some runs at the end there. Uh, Chandler, that was a key win. Uh, a, a good Dennis to Nelliman tandem performance. Dennis started out. Um, it was doing pretty well, but then eventually was walking girls, uh, and then had a just was in a pinch with one out, and Nelman basically came in and did a five out save to finish it. And got a good pop up, struck out uh, I think the next person, or it was a ground out maybe, uh, and then finished the last inning just fine. Uh, so that was it was a good catch up win. I'm forgetting who hit homers. I want to say Grace Connolly hit one, uh, and I want to say uh, Sarah Beth Allen hit another. Uh, are the two are, were the two homers? I could be wrong there. Sounds about right to me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the offense did what it should have done in a game like that, maybe more. But they made the lead sizable enough to to make it at least the last inning. W- wasn't going to be a worrying inning to where we needed to like go to Sophia Boyles in an emergency or anything like that. We had at least some wiggle room in the most important inning. So, uh, yeah, a, a good. I mean, as you say in here, good get right weekend. Um, yeah, didn't have, confidence didn't have, building weekend for sure. Which is big considering who we have coming up next, who are uh, not easy opponents. Nope. Uh, Tech is currently 11 and 8, which is important context when you have checks notes Auburn at 20 and 2 and UVA at 17 and 4 in the next mm. couple of weeks. Uh, I think that Auburn is, game is what? Wednesday? That's a Wednesday, Wednesday at 2 o'clock game. Is, That's is, bizarre. I know. Are we really going to go out there and say that UVA is like good, good? Because I don't think that's the case. I mean, oh no, 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 no. Running I'm down who they played: me. Lamar, Houston, Sam Houston State. Okay, Nebraska, but that's an L. Uh, UNC Greensboro, Maryland, an L. Minnesota, fine. Maryland, another L. Minnesota, another L. Longwood, U- University of Maryland, Eastern Shore, St. John's, Howard, George Washington. Radford, DePaul, Fairfield, St. Francis, George Mason, and Liberty. These are a I would argue of, that these are, these are a collection of teams we'd have as the last team playing in Buzz Classic. Ma- Maryland it sounds like a collection a of team. liberal arts schools that uh, politicians got rejected from. Ma- again, Maryland is a good team, but they were forced to play that team twice by the a- by the ACC as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they're seventeen and four, but. They, this is like, it, it's not a, a it's very not a, un, it's, it's not a, a real Boston college volleyball level of non-conference right. schedule. Yes. Like, yes. I mean, yeah. we, we see this like, I mean, we see this a lot with this UVA team, right? They play a very soft, because like, we saw it, we've seen it a good last couple of years because they play a very Ooh. soft non-con and then call them they, soft. they, you did. I love it. 
Sorry. <laughs> they play a soft non-con, and then they they like look like they're hot going into ACC play, and then they just are not able to match up against ACC opponents. Like I I, I remember we've seen this at least twice in the last couple of years. Um, so would I'm you, interested to see. Would y'all say Tech's record is is like an accurate reflection of how good this team is then? Eleven and eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, because they I, haven't I, I, had a soft schedule. Like, they, they did what the yeah. volleyball team did, what women's basketball did. It was like, yeah, we're going to stack this front part of the schedule up to make sure we know what we are and then yeah. play the ACC. And, yeah, I would say it's I think accurate. the thing, I I, well, I think the thing that nukes tech just a little bit is the fact that they have been competitive in games you'd think they'd have a slight edge in and then have gotten nuked off the face of the earth by UGA, which is by far right. the best team they played. So yeah. that kind of hedges my, my personal reaction just a little bit but gents i have uh auburn is ranked so just note that i have interesting news uh the first nitty-gritty of the year is out so if you guys can vamp a little bit i'll have our uh inaugural run live on air ready to go uh if you guys can talk for for just a little uh, bit. i'll talk about i'll talk about emma calf uh because she did get hit over the weekend by a pitch in one of her in her left arm and immediately went down to the ground. Uh, she only played. She came out of the game, did a couple more innings in the outfield. Uh, but it was uh, the ball mostly hit muscle, it, but it was pretty close to bone. wasn't fully bone, but there was bone contact made with the ball. She did not play in the Brown game. I don't know if she's going to play on Wednesday. I think from what I could tell, the nature of the injury, it's she's taking a day to day. Had her brace on, uh, but they were they were going to take Sunday and be preemptive because they didn't they, they, they knew they didn't need her against Brown. Uh, so yeah, they definitely we'll had her in a brace. They had her embrace during the Brown game uh, and just kind of taking notes on the sideline or in yeah. the dugout. So um, hopefully we can get her back uh, considering how well she's hitting. So yeah. uh, that will be something to keep an eye on. I, I will say 11 and eight, like usually I'm looking when I'm evaluating a team, um, especially when it comes to baseball, I'm looking and, and the, trying to determine if a record is accurate. I'm sort of looking for, okay, well, have they lost – any games that sort of came down to, have they lost or won games that came down to the wire and were like, what are, what are those one score game? Like, to borrow football yeah, reference? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, are we talking about like 50, 50 win probability near the middle? Like not yeah. statistical. Yeah. I, I don't have to, like the straight number win probability for, um, for softball in front of me, but like where the game could have gone either way. And I, I don't really think that there were, there have been like more than a couple of games that have been that close. Like maybe they could be 12 and seven, 13 yeah. and six. They probably not more than that though. Like they could have picked up maybe one of those, one of those ACC big 10 games. They, they got, I think they got walked off in one, like mm-hmm. they could have picked up one of those, but uh, one or two of those uh, in fact, but I, I don't, I, I think this record is pretty emblematic of where they're at. They're not, and we'll just kind of see what happens when UVA comes to town or, or when they go play UVA and then also whatever, like the first couple ACC series and, and how they stack up against the competition. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not so sure we can say anything definitive, even, even 20 games in or 19 games in, I'm not so sure we can say anything definitive about the, the team yet. Um, but I guess at least for, for my, from my point of view is the bottom of that lineup needs some help um mm-hmm. at least just from a straight up batting average perspective uh and they have regressed a good bit on the mound 
Um, I, I don't think that either of those two things are. I guess I did just say nothing is definitive, and then name two definitive things. But you sure you know, I've never, I've never been particularly consistent in my analysis. In a sport so I'm just full gonna, of factual numbers. Look, I if I had them in front of, if I had the numbers in front of me, actually, I'm going to pull that up while uh, Jake gets the van. I'll, I'll note, I'll note, Jin, Jin, Jin Saleo did have a very uh, timely two-run single in that Brown game that kind of blew the game open. Uh, after uh, who was it that KO? I have my scorebook somewhere from this. Yeah, Jin game. had a nice two. It was a is a nice double to send is. two runners home. Yeah, um, they and put up, up two uh, RBI. They put Caroline Davis up with two on and one out to try and score some runs, and then looked and then looked at three pitches, and struck yeah, out. Yeah, that uh, that one got under my skin, but <laughs> it was fine. Uh, just to back up what we were saying about Emma Calf, uh, she's hitting three sixty four, so you should probably. Yeah. figure out if she's going to be healthy for the rest of the season. Madison Dobbins has been really hot this season. Um, 396 uh, slugging uh, slugging is a, bit, a little bit low at uh, 563 and mm-hmm. uh, on base percentage at uh, 463. Uh, but she's got no, well, no home runs, but eight RBI um, and six doubles. So she's like a professional hitting machine right now. Um, talking about that bottom of the lineup. So your Auburn Dupree, your Jin Saleo, um, they're hitting better than they were when I originally pulled this up or was thinking about this uh, during the weekend. Uh, mm. Jin is now at 267 and yep. Dupree's at 263. Um, Vukadinovic has also picked it back up. She was hitting 210 or 211 uh, over the weekend at some point. Um, so, uh, back, like, these are all still pretty small sample sizes. Yeah. Like, a, a couple of hit, like, a game makes a like a 20 point difference. Yeah. Here and there, they hit. Um, they hit. They hit page seventh in this Brown game. Sandra Beth Pritchett also got her first start of the year in that game, after appearing in three other games, uh, which I think was the Madison Dobbins replace. No, she was playing catcher. Oh, they had Reese Hunter DPing and had Sandra Beth catch because of the Emma Calf injury. That's what it was. The the last note that I uh, I have before I let Jake uh, go on his little thing here is that for some reason the website lists Abby Hughes. Uh, as having gotten a pitching appearance, which I don't believe is accurate. I don't think it is either. That's strange. Anyway, Mr. Grant, hit me. Yeah, so it appears that perhaps um, I've been a little mean to Virginia uh, because the very numbers in which I trust my brain and my logic have them ranked pretty well as in like at large quality of team that being said of 17 and 14 record uh doesn't matter if you're massey or the rpi uh or me uh will like that a lot um that would put them at about 41 in the massey uh at about 45 in adjusted rpi and in the universal selection rating i have them at 44 uh, again to for those that forget that's a rating that attempts to standardize logic between baseball softball and volleyball deserving teams anyways um that being said uh that's an at large in in all or an at large quality uh team in all of those uh rankings if you will uh tech is substantially lower in the usi they're at 65 in the Massey, they're at 70 in adjusted RPI, and I have them closer to 90, uh, so a decent way 
out of the tournament field, Tech does get dinged a little bit simply because they have played uh, more home games uh, than most. A, a lot of teams are playing neutral and away games thus far, and Tech uh, has not necessarily performed uh, to the amount of weight that we put on a, a home match in, in our numbers. But that being said, Virginia, for the time being, is seen as a tournament quality team uh, based on their uh, past additions, if you will, I'm still not entirely convinced. Like I'll believe it when I see it at the end of the year, last year, they went 28 and 26. That's delightfully mediocre. Uh, they were, uh, 13 and 11 in conference play again, like that's fine. It's not particularly great. It's not particularly terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly not uh, a tournament caliber team, not in, not in this ACC. And the year before that they were 15 and 33 uh, in 2020, 2021. So yes, I'll believe that they're improving, but I'll believe that I'll also believe they're a tournament team when I can, when I can see it. I went further back in the Virginia records and it gets even worse. So I'll let them have 17 and four. Let's move on to a swim and dive. Diving Zone B championships were this week. Ruben Lechuga qualified for NCAA championships in the men's one-meter diving on Sunday. Today's action, uh, which we don't have results for just yet, includes the women's uh, one-meter diving uh, with Anna Bradescu and Carmen Woodruff participating uh, and the men's three-meter with Ruben Lechuga and uh, Luke Dodson. Tuesday, so tomorrow when you're listening to this, has the women's three-meter and the men's platform. You'll see Ruben Lechuga again uh, on the platform. And Wednesday is the women's plat- platform. So you're Anna Bradescu and, and Carmen Woodruff there, uh, back there as well. Um, the only other NCAA swim and dive note that we have is that Denise Ertan definitely qualified um, for the NCAA field. I don't think we've gotten the rest of the B-cuts back yet. Um, yeah, there's still so, some championships going on, so we're awaiting some final times. Yeah, so those championships are in two weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah, the, the women go first in Knoxville, then the guys will swim in Minneapolis the next week. Yeah, so we'll we'll know about all of this soon enough. Uh, men's track and field and women's track and field, for that matter, uh, we're both off. So we head to golf, which plays sixth at the Southern Highlands Collegiate Invitational. Um, your top tech finisher was Crystal Lambrecht, who tied for ninth at seven under par. Steelman at 12th with six under par. Hiroshi Tai tied for 35th, one over. Uh, Bartley Forrester at 73rd, 10 over. Connor Howe uh, at, tied for 40th at two over. Uh, and then Aiden Tran, who was uh, participating as an independent, at tied for 75th at 13 over. Uh, pretty competitive field here. Uh, before I let some of y'all vamp on this, I'll read out the top six. Uh, Illinois finished at 21 under par uh, at the top, followed by Texas, who is number 16th in the nation. Pepperdine, who is number 14th. Uh, number four, UNC. Number nine, OU. Number 11, Florida. And then number eight, Georgia Tech. Mr. Grant, you are the knower of all things Georgia Tech golf. How? What say you about this result? I think it's fine. Um, I, I do want to reiterate that they were kind of further <laughs> in the hole. So I, I think that it, it's just one of those, like, you can't win every week. Figure stuff out. Um, uh, with golf, it is a little bit harder to 
you know, get into the, you know, such and such played a certain way. I wasn't paying attention to the weather. They don't stream these on TV. Um, so on some of this stuff, your guess is as good as mine, but as an avid scoreboard watcher at the very least, uh, I think that, you know, just, just to see them at least bounce back a little bit from 11th to sixth, uh, they went from being six over, uh, to 10 under, uh, on the last day. That's a, it's a fine finish, right? It, it's not world beating, but I don't know, learn, learn something and go on to the next one. Uh, the other couple of notes that I have from this, uh, Illinois actually staged an amazing comeback in this one. That's also number seven in the nation, Illinois. Um, they went 11 under par on the final day to win and, and also got advantage or took advantage of a massive UNC collapse, which saw them go four over on the day after leading for three for the rest of the time, which very, very funny uh, for the ACC personally. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say on golf. Let's head over to baseball, which uh, I am personally frustrated by. So I'm going to let <laughs> you, Mr. Purdy, lead the discussion here. Uh, and we have, So we played LIU Long Island on Tuesday, took care of them quite fine. Uh, Saturday was the big old, good old, or what do you call it? I don't know. We, we played George over the weekend. Um, I forgot the name of the referee. Clean old-fashioned night. There you go. Uh, so we played Friday at Georgia. Saturday was here. And Sunday was at Cool Ray Field in Lawrenceville, home of the Gwinnett Stripers. Uh, the first two games were uh, very lopsided in the wrong way for us. Uh, they, their pitching was great. Ours was not at all. Uh, and then by the time in Saturday's game, we, they Georgia came out. I was at, I was at the Saturday game. Uh, they the bats were swinging early for Georgia and often, uh, and by the eighth inning they didn't do a mercy rule. But if they did they they did the ten after seven rule, they could have done it if they wanted to. Um, Carson Sabathia did get his first collegiate homer in the ninth inning, uh, which was good to see. It was a three run shot, so it kept the score within ten by the end. Uh, but just pitching wise, just they just didn't have it those first two days to match up at all. Um, and there was a couple. I, I think, who was, who was pitching that allowed the, the big homers? I took some marks of, like, the notable mist. Oh, Aiden Finitary let two middle-middle fastballs just hang over the plate, and that those were the homers that just absolutely gave Georgia the game. They were able to get a lot of runs there. Uh, I was only able to catch so much of Sunday's game, but we did win that game. Uh, ben King and Gary Busey did a lot of good work there and held, them, and held Georgia to only one, two runs at the end of that. Uh, so that game was actually really good uh, in terms of just overall performance, good quality baseball game, didn't let anything get out of hand, put enough runs up early, and held on. Um, and they have Lips come on Tuesday, and then they host Notre Dame to finish this very long homestand of only playing within the state of Georgia or at uh, McNeese. Jake, is there any? I, I know you watched some of this, so. I just want to say that exactly what happened to the pitching is exactly what we've been saying this entire year. I have no regrets for saying that it was going to happen uh, because it was going to happen. Uh, it was not pretty on Saturday or Friday. It was rather embarrassing. And anyone who was screaming about how Tech should have been ranked after playing a bunch of teams, well, Georgia Southern is good, and they hosted a regional. But, yeah. you know, it, one good team and playing eight games against, well, Kennesaw State's good too. But you know what I mean? Seven, <laughs> seven games <laughs> where you could just blast the heck out of a ball – they got they got shown up, and it's the exact same thing that we've been watching since, you know, I guess after the 2019 season when a great stable of pitchers all uh, 
all, all graduated and got drafted and, and all that. And it's, it's frustrating, right? It, it's, I think it's fair to call it frustrating uh, because, you know, this team can be better. And, you know, some of that's due yeah. to injuries in, in would-be starters. I know that's kind of circulated a little bit. Um, and, yeah, there is you know, some. There that's, are, yeah, Compton's out. Uh, Jay and Jackson's out. So our third, basically at the left side of the infield's been using backups so far, and it's been a rotating cast of backups back there. Uh, so that's been pretty rough. And then, oh, who's the pitcher that's out? One of uh, Cam Cam Hill and I think Logan is yeah, out. Yeah, Logan McGuire. Too. Yep, McGuire's out too. So there's there that's there are notable names that were not available to be used on this whole weekend, this past week, and won't be this week, I believe, as well. Uh, so that is a that is a that is a drawback. Those those are two very vital positions between like it's like three most important positions from the pitcher to the left side of the infield. So uh, that's that's not a that's not nothing uh, that will be that has impacted the team. I don't think it was going to necessarily save those two losses we had against Georgia with how much they beat us by, but it it's something um, that will that will definitely play its hand going forward. Um, so yeah, 4 p.m. tomorrow uh, on Tuesday. So I mean, also I'll note the Saturday game at. Tech was uh, there. It was sold out. It was a lovely environment, it, it, despite what happened. At being at Rush Chandler, then was really cool to see, and just being at a good old good being at a good old baseball game in early spring, with perfect weather and Buzz being a gangster and all that kind of fun stuff that happens. And they released the new New Realm beer, so that was that served as the launch event for Ale of an Engineer, uh, which they did not have uh, when Aksha and I were on the Beltline on Sunday. But interesting. Soon they actually, re- they, New Realm actually released two uh, baseball specific, like school specific beers. They released a beer for that, and then they had another beer they released for some baseball team in South Carolina that I only found out about because a beer writer mm. friend I know was at a New Realm event at a sports game for that. So they did a double sport theme <laughs> beer release day on Saturday, which no free ads. This is a Wild Heaven podcast, also, but it was still cool to see that yeah. New Realm has its fingers in other. Athletic communities beyond Georgia Tech. Um, in terms of this weekend, I'm going to go with a completely unsolicited plug uh, for the Young Alumni Yellow Jacket Club event that's happening Friday uh, at McNeese. That's for young alumni with uh, season tickets for football. Uh, I know that that's uh, something that I appreciate that Tech is doing to engage people that are our segment of. Uh, alumni so if anyone's there and has comments on the podcast uh maybe you'll see me if they're nice but if they're not then you won't see me um but uh, what you should do what what you should do is just walk nearby jake and just whisper uh, to no one in particular have you heard about his podcast um yeah no um but uh, definitely great to see tech trying to uh, engage that segment of the alumni there are four home games this weekend and it's an opportunity to get right against uh, a team that was in the college world series uh, but did uh, lose their coach year over year so should should make for interesting baseball i think pitching is exactly what we thought it would be and we'll 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 need to figure it out uh, if this team's going to be great or if they're just going to be fine it's really the the awkward question of our time. Will baseball be good, or just its usual <laughs> self? It's, or will it's, they be? It's fine. Oh, it's just fine. It's befuddling. It it's befuddled befuddled all of the preeminent scholars of our time. 
truly remarkable. Uh, let's go over to the club sports as we round out the week. Men's lacrosse, which Jake is often noted as Tech's most consistent and best team. I wrote that uh, one had, today. Well, both of you have noted that Woo! pretty frequently. Uh, they beat Clemson, a pretty close win over Clemson. They came from behind to beat number one ranked Virginia Tech and also took home a win versus number 11, California. Where are we ranked now? Do you know? They're at least. Should be two. number one. I think it's if a number one. Two or one? Okay. I figured it was they were, poll. They were, uh, they were ranked number two in the second poll, but I think it's only a monthly or bi-weekly poll, and they just okay. released one last week. So, gotcha. so we should we yet. preemptively should be number one whenever this next one does come out, in, assuming beating the number one team does that. Yes. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You know, enter the we play number four. We play number four, uh, Jerry Falwell University next up. So fantastic. Uh, but men's lacrosse, they're still stacking and, and racking wins. So um, yep. go out and support them at uh, at Stamps Field when you if you get the chance. Uh, it's a pretty good environment. The band usually comes out. It's a it's pretty fun. Um, not much else around the club circuit. Mr. Grant, you're usually our club aficionado. Anything else? It's been quiet, or maybe I've just been busy. Um, hockey is apparently going to AAU Nationals. They though. are. Yes, they do. Um, have, they'll be traveling for that. I don't know why, because they were 10 and 14, 1 and 1 this year. But it's, it's good to see, at least. And uh, we wish them... All the best there. I'm scrambling to pull up their schedule uh, because I am slow to the punch. But uh, let's see. CHF Hockey. This is great content. Um, great podcasting. We were prepared. Yeah. Uh, AAU College Hockey starting for the 2023-2024. Um, where, where are they hosting this? Um, they will play against uh, Farmingdale on uh rink one on friday and they will play against delaware also on rink one on saturday and then they will play against Cutstown on rink four uh on sunday with uh you know the this is in westchester pennsylvania oh again nice that's where they were last year great uh great bookstore there if uh if they need to to get some reading between games in <laughs> Um, just a just a bizarre set of teams that shows up to the college hockey federation or the AAU the, national yes. championships for hockey. Jake, you had your trivia yeah. question too. You wanted to do? Yes, I do have my trivia question. I've been trying to do this for three weeks, so let's let's get it out. Um, do you guys remember what the setup was? Because I know I know I've told you guys, but do you? This need a was, I think I think we did the setup on an episode that actually wasn't on and I just like do it women's basketball. Well, that seems fun, and then we went for too long. It's like ah shit, we're not doing this today. So. Yep. So Georgia Tech has played 248 unique schools in women's basketball in its time as a program. There are, uh, let's see, 23 that we've played double digit times. Can you guess among those 23 whom Tech has played the most and who Tech has the best win percentage against? Bonus points if you can guess the exact number of times we played okay. uh, the most common opponent. 23. So there's, so we're doing the, and we're doing the five most frequently played opponents. 
Sure, you can do top five, but also top. if you can also guess which one tech has the best win percentage okay. against those twenty-three. So the team started in the seventies. Uh, so would and at that point we were. What conference were we? It in was back still independent. Title Nine wasn't independent until ACC. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Title Nine wasn't until they were never members of the Metro. How's okay, that? Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say George is one of them. I'm gonna say. You already shake your head. Wow, no. When did, the, did their team nope. not exist then? I guess no, they did. We've just only played them forty-four we just times. Didn't play them. Okay. Uh, we also have Auburn. a horrible win percentage against them. But anyways, continue. We only played Auburn. Georgia four times. Forty-four times. That's and that's still the. Oh wow. Okay, that's not enough. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Aubrey, yeah, he said Auburn. That's a good one. I like that pick. Um, I will also say George. No, not Georgia State. Uh, I figured. Any of Duke, North Carolina, NC State should also be up there. Um, North Carolina, NC, North Carolina, and NC State are in the top five. Okay. The other okay. three are also ACC teams. Oh, okay. Um, Hughes. Nope. Uh, they have only been in the ACC for like one oh, second. Right. Uh, Clemson is our most played team. Okay. With ninety-one. Okay. Uh, uh, matchups Bur- prior to this season, so ninety three currently, but ninety one prior to this year. The Virginia schools. Virginia is number three. Keep in mind, Virginia Tech has only been in the ACC for about fifteen years, so we've only uh, played them twenty okay. times. The last one is Wake Forest. I think you may have said that, okay. and I may have just missed. It, I just I, I I forgot them in the North Carolina segment of schools that I it, said. All good. Um, prior to this year, we had played Clemson 91 times. I believe that's 93 now. North Carolina 81. That should be 82. Now Virginia 76 and Wake Forest 76. NC State, weirdly, only 75. Tech uh, is 645 against uh, Wake Forest, uh, only 320 against NC State. 237 against Virginia, um. which is weirdly more than both North Carolina and, well, not so weirdly, uh, no. Clemson. So Clemson is a 505 win percentage to circle back on Auburn, Akshay, just because I think this is relevant. We've actually only played Auburn four times. So that's your football, men's really? basketball, SEC. So this is a Fortner thing. This is a Fortner thing, then. Mm-hmm. This is well, totally we, a Fortner thing. I want you, I want to put this out there. Uh, which has Tech played more often, Auburn or Auburn Montgomery? Well, the. <laughs> Jack, you bit. got my trick yes, question. Yes. <laughs> four, four times a piece. Um, Yikes. Uh, among teams that Tech has played double digit times, they have a 1,000. Uh, they are batting 1,000 against Kennesaw State. Uh, they are 14 0 0 prior to this year. But against Northwest or Notre Dame, sorry, they played 17 times and won just once. Those are your two outlier points. Also of note, the 25th most common opponent at nine times in all of history is Louisville. Georgia Tech is 0 for 9 uh, against Louisville. And also, weirdly, 1 for 9 against Augusta College or Augusta University hmm. uh, out, at, out in Augusta. So definitely some some weird ones on here. But uh, yeah, Notre Dame, there's one very lonely win on that list. Could have been two after last year, or I guess two seasons ago at this point. Yep. But... When you run into Olivia Miles, things tend to not go your way. Noted Alpharetta so. Georgian Olivia Miles, by the way. But mm. I'm not upset by that. Grad transfer. Uh, gentlemen, I think that is about it for us this week. Thank you, Mr. Grant, for setting up some trivia. Let's roll out. Take us out. 
Yep. Uh, as always, you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. We publish articles with this fine podcast, as well as, you know, uh, the Asa article we mentioned earlier when he was uh, joining us for the evening and also everything uh, from football to uh, men's basketball to whatever I'm covering on a given day or whatever Jack is writing about, including survivors. So go check that out too. Uh, you can email us at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at FTRS blog at Jake Grant 98 for myself and at Jack Nicholas for Jack. You can find section 103, our uh, illustrious partner at section 103 on Twitter and section 103.com on the interwebs. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at from the rumble seat. And you can find our podcast, wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed and otherwise, uh, you know, handed out uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good luck. And go Jackets.